0: Chao.
1: out that she had 13 previous crashes. That's right. This is a picture of a nurse who was accused of causing that fiery LA crash that killed six people last Thursday. Well, it turns out we have some shocking updates. Not only were there found to be no alcohol in her system, but also it turns out that she had 13 previous crashes. That's right. This is a picture of her here. This is 37-year-old Nicole Linton. She's a traveling registered nurse from Houston, and she was hit she also faces five counts of vehicular manslaughter. The L.A. County DA, again, said there was no evidence of alcohol in her system, which countered an initial narrative that was offered by an unnamed woman claiming to be Linton's friend who was day drinking with her that day, allegedly. And we also know that now Linton is basically facing life in prison if she's convicted on all charges. So this prevent Los Angeles Times. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Natalie Stone denied Linton that bail, which previously had been set at nine million dollars at the request of the DA's office, which said she's a flight risk. Linton was set to leave LA and travel to Hawaii for work, prosecutors said. Prosecutors also said that they were reviewing multiple previous crashes linked to Linton, both in and out of California, including one in 2020 that involved bodily injury in which two cars were totaled. They provided few additional details. Now, it's also unclear whether Linton was ever criminally charged for any of those incidents. Uh, her attorney said also that they're looking into her alleged history of documented, profound mental health issues, but of course, the attorneys wouldn't elaborate there. Now, if you recall, as far as this accident goes, last Thursday, her Mercedes had plowed into traffic at a very busy intersection in Windsor Hills bursting into flames upon colliding with multiple cars, setting at least three of them ablaze. Now, Linton was allegedly going 90 miles per hour in A35 when she blew through a red light, hurling her Mercedes into a light pole. Now, the impact and resulting fire killed 23-year-old Asheray Ryan, her unborn child, 11-month-old son, Alonzo Quintero, her boyfriend, Reynold Lester as well. Now Ryan was eight and a half months pregnant and en route to a prenatal checkup. The unborn baby has uh, has been named Armani Lester according to the coroner's office, but the unborn child couldn't be included in Linton's charges as an unborn child is not considered a human being here in California. Now there's a man also named Craig, Hitchford, and here's his picture. He was identified by his family as the fourth victim in the crash. Uh, two additional women who have killed, who were killed, have yet to be identified. And in addition to the fatality, six children and two adults were also injured. There were a lot of people who were harmed by Linton's actions. Now, the photos also that were posted online uh, of the crash show that Linton was on the curb with a bloody arm. She was hospitalized with moderate injuries for several days before she was taken into police custody, but clearly she survived this unscathed when you consider it in the context of people losing their lives. Again, 90 miles per hour reportedly in a 35, and the woman has 13 other crashes.
2: Something is very wrong here. What do you think, Evie? Yeah, so first, my heart goes out to the victims and their families because I'm sure this is a very tough time for them, um, and this is very unfortunate. I'm really familiar with this area, and so one thing about it, especially if you're not from the Los Angeles area and have never traveled down this hill, um, it is a steep hill, and you're, you can excel pretty quickly, so you have to be very aware of your speed in this. Um, one of the issues I have, though, is that we don't have a lot of information about the mental capacity, the mental impairments or anything of this defendant, right, at this time. We know she was a travel nurse. Um, and We know that our nurses have been worked quite a bit throughout the pandemic and longer. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, if there's any mental health issues, right, any mental impairments, since we don't have any drugs or alcohol in our system. Um, and one of the issues I did have, though, with the judge denying bail in this case is, like, she gave me the example of if she is a nurse, and she should understand any kind of medical issues she has or any medicine that she's using and the effects of that. And while that, is, while that is so, I think sometimes we miscalculate how mental illness works, and we assume that the person is just as um, aware of their status or what they have going on when they're, you know, having a mental episode. So if this is the case, I really want to know more about why, you know, this seemingly... You know this woman who's a professional woman has you know decided to go 95 miles per hour down this steep cliff or steep hill rather and on top of that you know some people are just unlucky drivers but i really want to know more about how these other accidents happen was she you know was she the person who was hit is she just an unlucky driver or is she really a, bear, a negligent driver and deserves to be in jail um Now, I do think there's some accountability that needs to be held, but I'm still, you know, I think I'm just uneasy about the fact that we don't have enough facts. On the circumstances of this case okay well you are nicer than me
1: ab because as far as i'm concerned i got a big problem with the fact that you've been in 13 previous crashes i don't care how much you out on the road i think there are uber drivers who have fewer collisions than this woman uh you know of course i'd want to know the gravity of those crashes but they did say 13 prior collisions how do you even keep any kind of insurance with that and also too if you're a nurse and and I do very much appreciate uh, the observation that you made, Amy, in terms of nurses working very hard. Uh, and and who knows if someone was tired because even when I was litigating, there were times I should not have been driving without a doubt because I was so exhausted coming home very late at night or whatnot. I understand and that. I get that. At the same time, also, as a nurse, you should appreciate at a time when you uh, when you don't have control over your abilities your faculties um you know and you shouldn't be on the road and you should recognize the harm you could cause other people but also especially if you've been in 13 other crashes like everything tells me that this woman had full notice and there should have been no excuse whatsoever i think i was i honestly think i was more forgiving with the thought that she was strong the fact that she was sober that scares the hell out of me and so i understand why the da escalated these to murder charges because when you understand the sanctity of human life, because you're in uh, the medical healthcare industry as well as you understand how collisions work, because you had you had 13. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, then you are a full-fledged human being who should have been 100% aware of what they're doing and the potential gravity and risk and injury to individuals you could cause. But um, I, and I'm sure you will too, A.B. Stay tuned in terms of finding out more facts about this story.
3: There's an exciting new.
0: This is a steep hill. It's not even steep. It might be, um, I wouldn't know what grade to give it, but I would never call it steep. And there are, true enough, there are pedestrian. That are uh, hit and killed in that area because it's um I think it's probably um you know one of the longest stretches on that street be- where there's a long distance between the stoplights, but it's it's not a case where someone is going up a steep hill or going down a steep hill and they're taking on uh, more speed because of the low grade of the hill that's not the case in this situation they would have been going up a hill that is not really that steep and um they had more than enough, she had more than enough time to to put her brakes on and stop. She would have been cleared from the hill long before um, she even got near the um, the light, that intersection, Slossin and Overhill. She would have been at least I'd say a hundred feet from the light. Uh, it, by the time she was clear from any excess speed up from the hill, you no, know, she would have been going up a hill, which means that she should have been going slower, not faster. But um, she was going 90 easily at least 100 or 300 feet before she got to the light because when you see the video video of her going through the light it just it will it will blow your mind it will really blow your mind and for her to blow the light kill all these people ram her bends around a, a pole or some structure. Her vehicle catches on fire. She comes out, her vehicle rolls over, catches on fire. She comes out of the vehicle with just scratches and you know minor injuries. Everybody else is dead. Whew. They better not call me for jury duty, not for that one. Just saying you know, this is extreme, extremely hard to sympathize with her at all.
4: Good afternoon, since I became attorney general, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida To unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. The department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt. Were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstances and the substantial public interest in this matter. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the justice department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly without fear or favor under my watch. That is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. Federal law, long-standing department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you. Uh, Thank you all for your questions. But as I said, this is all I can say at this time. That was
0: Attorney General Merrick Garland. Attorney General in the Biden administration referring to the lawful warrants and search at uh, Mar-a-Lago, Trump's for- former President Trump's estate in Florida. Thank you.
5: The CBS News Special Report. I'm Margaret Brennan in the nation's capital. And Attorney General Merrick Garland is about to make a statement at the Justice Department after an extraordinary week involving the nation's top law enforcement officials and former President Donald Trump. On Monday, the FBI executed a search warrant on the former president's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago, as part of an investigation into Trump's handling of presidential documents, including classified information. This followed a subpoena issued to him this spring regarding documents the department was seeking. The FBI search led to a furious response from the 45th president, but until this moment, neither the Justice Department nor the FBI have commented. Uh, We will be bringing you those remarks uh, in a moment. With me here is Chief Election and Campaign Correspondent Robert Costa. Uh, Robert, we just learned that that subpoena was issued back in the spring. What is the timeline here? Why is that so significant?
3: CBS News has learned new details about the chronology of this entire episode. It was preceded by a grand jury subpoena, a federal grand jury subpoena, back in the spring. Then federal agents met with the president's team at Mar-a-Lago, the former president, Donald Trump. But then it led to this search this past week. Uh, Based on our reporting, some sort of breakdown and tension between that subpoena and meeting and
5: what happened this summer. Also here with me is Catherine Herridge, our investigative correspondent. And Catherine, what Robert just laid out is important because it lays out that there were legal steps before this unannounced visit by FBI agents. And let me go to Attorney General Merrick Garland.
4: Good afternoon. Since I became Attorney General, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Just now... The Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was a premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. The department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. The department filed the motion. make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search the surrounding circumstances and the substantial public interest in this matter faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the justice department and of our democracy upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly without fear or favor under my watch That is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. Federal law, long-standing department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety, while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you. Thank you all for your questions, but as I said, this is all I can say at this time.
5: You just listened to an extraordinary press statement, not press conference there, from the attorney general who said he is unable to answer questions that you heard reporters shouting to him um, at this time. But uh, as the attorney general just laid out, he personally approved um, that this search warrant be uh, used to go into Mar-a-Lago, the 45th president's Florida home, to search for documents. Um, Catherine Harridge and Robert Costa are still here with me. And Catherine, uh, we heard from the attorney general that they are going to be making public some of the legal documents Correct. in order to explain why this search happened. Now, everything has become highly politicized, highly scrutinized. The, revealing these documents will tell us what
6: well, it's highly unusual to unseal a search warrant in an ongoing investigation, so this clearly shows an effort to be as transparent as possible. What you would see in a search warrant is the underlying evidence, or what the Attorney General just called probable cause that he confirmed had been signed off by a federal court before the warrant was executed. It would also include include what they call an inventory or receipt. So when the FBI agents finish their work, they provide you with paperwork saying, these are your possessions that we have taken that could be returned in the future. And finally, he he stood up for what he felt was the unfair criticism of the FBI agents who carried out that raid. He said, I won't stand by while their integrity is questioned. But again, an extremely exceptional set of circumstances but significantly, the Attorney General is saying, We're going to let the motions in the court and the
5: paperwork speak for us. We're not going to answer your question. And the Attorney General making the point that uh, it was the former president himself who issued a statement Correct. revealing and confirming that the raid happened um, and that he could have made some of these disclosures himself, but has chosen not to. Now the federal government will. Um, Robert, I mean, you've been talking about. The political impact of this. There will be scrutiny of the Attorney General, who is a Biden appointee, the head of the FBI, however, Chris Wray, a Trump appointee. Those were FBI agents who went in there um, and conducted this unannounced uh, search warrant visit to Mar-a-Lago and removed items from the former president's home. What does this uh, become in our sort of public discourse now, the fact that we will have this public disclosure of what was used to justify this search
3: this was an extraordinary moment in american history an attorney general took ownership of the decision to have this search of a former president's home he stood by that decision and now with his remarks we understand that this investigation a grand jury investigation of how a former president and his associates handle documents has gravity to it is seen as a very serious probe by the attorney general of the united states we know they're talking to associates from the president's inner circle they're going into his home to get boxes of documents the question now is what were they trying to find what have they been told was in the documents in terms of information from the administration national security documents what was in there the attorney general underscored today with almost a rhetorical marker that this matters to him mm-hmm. and it's very
5: serious and we know that the biden white house katherine has made a statement saying they had no advanced notice of these remarks today or that uh, this revelation would be happening um, in terms of the legal mechanisms with law enforcement what does happen next so practically speaking, when you
6: unseal a record in the court system, you can go into a public filing, and it's no longer with a restricted header. It then becomes available for review. So the public can read it? The public would be able to read it. I, I, my question in this case, Margaret, is whether there actually may be some redactions in these documents. Just because they're going to be publicly available doesn't mean that all of the information will be there. They'll want to protect sources and methods, and that may well be evidence that because it became the court's probable cause to get them through that door to a search warrant for a former president but this is an incredible amount of transparency that you never see in an investigation these warrants usually stay sealed until
5: the investigation is over or a decision is made whether to pursue charges and this all has to do with documents the former president took with him to his private home and the question now is what was in there that so justified these extraordinary actions uh, and this search, and we'll have continued coverage. I know all of us have phone calls to make. Uh, Catherine and Robert, thank you so much for your analysis. Our coverage here on CBS will continue on the streaming network, your local news, and tonight on the CBS Evening News. This has been a CBS News special report. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington.
7: saying mar lago in Palm Beach, Florida, was, quote, under siege by a large group of agents and adding the raid was unannounced. NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos joins us now. Danny, uh, this is just breaking as we went to air. Uh, what do you make of what we're seeing
8: now? Oh, so it's definitely just breaking. I mean, I was called away from dinner just to break, cover this breaking news. And really what we know right now is just that the FBI apparently has executed a search warrant. And all you know about a search warrant is it means that, by definition, uh, the FBI went with an affidavit of probable cause to a magistrate, to a judge, uh, and demonstrated that it is more likely than not that there is evidence of a criminal activity that they need to seize at Mar-a-Lago. That's about all you can mean from the fact that a search warrant has issued it must be based on probable cause. But of what, it's hard to say. You might infer that just a few days ago, on, uh, on or around July 27, uh, uh, the DOJ obtained a search warrant to search the phone of attorney John Eastman, and they've obtained, They've been conducting another, uh, otherwise an investigation into the activities of, uh, of January 6th. But again, that's conjecture right now. All we really seem to know is that there
7: apparently is a search warrant being executed, or it was executed at more and we've seen the, that search warrant executed, but we haven't heard yet from the FBI. Do you think that they are going to be addressing this in the short term? Because we, we now have a statement from uh, the former President Trump.
8: This is really normal case. I would say that you, you should not plan to hear from the FBI or the U.S. attorney uh, for that district because – comment on ongoing investigations Uh, so that would be my normally but this is not the case and this is not the normal i don't want to say target yet but uh this is not the normal person uh, that being donald trump to have a search warrant uh, issued for his home so this might be the unusual case where the fbi does hold a press conference and does offer some information to explain
7: why they're executing a search warrant on a former president of the united states something that just doesn't happen every day. So, unprecedented times may call for a breach of the FBI's normal protocol, which is to never, ever talk about ongoing investigation. And yet we have a, a former president who is quick, basically, to the presses. I want to read just a little bit about from his statement here. Uh, he says nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecute- prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system. And then Danny, uh, a little bit further down, he, he says, they even broke into my safe, safe exclamation point. So we know uh, that they went into his home. They know that we know that they were unannounced. We know that they were looking for things in his safe. Do we know any specifics on, on what they could have been looking for? No, but just to give you an idea, if
8: there were search warrants issued for folks like John Eastman, the Trump-affiliated uh, lawyer, who some of these uh, election fraud theories, then it's not a huge leap to say that Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago might contain evidence of information related to, say, for example, the evidence that they saw in John Eastman's cell phone or some of these other folks that the DOJ is investigating. That is a rather innocuous interpretation. Of course, uh, another interpretation is simply that the FBI believes that it is more likely than not that there is evidence that uh, that, uh, Trump or somebody else close to Trump committed a crime or that they have evidence of that crime at Mar-a-Lago. That could be cell phones. Uh, that could be documents, that could be virtually anything. So it's really hard to say at this point. And the FBI, when they get a search warrant like this, they make it as broad as they possibly can. So no surprise that they uh, got a hold of a safe. Uh, a safe is something that might contain evidence that is relevant to their uh, their investigation. So that's entirely possible. But, you know, these search warrants, they take a while to execute. The FBI goes through all things physical and digital They catalog everything. They take a lot of photographs. It's not something that happens quickly. It is a long process, a very invasive process. Uh, So Trump is probably right. I wouldn't have any reason to disbelieve him that they went into a safe if he had one on the premises. So, uh, again, we don't know exactly what it's for, but given the flurry of activity uh, around January 6th, the committee, which is starting back up in September, it could be related to that. It could be related to something that we had no idea about up until now.
7: And, Danny, the Justice Department is supposed to be a bit nonpartisan. The FBI is supposed to rise above partisan politics. And yet in this statement, we here have President Trump or former President Trump saying Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. How much is politics going to play into this before the
3: midterms elections? All right, I'm standing here in front of the federal
8: courthouse in Washington, D.C., and inside is the first jury into this before the midterms election. Yeah, well, the Democrats didn't break into his home. It's the FBI executing a search warrant. So words do matter. I mean, I understand. Uh, I understand not being happy about the FBI executing search warrant on one's home, whether you're the former president or just somebody that nobody's ever heard of. It is not a pleasant process. But look, everything about any investigation of Trump is going to be inherently political. No matter what happens, uh, Trump and his circle can claim that it is a political prosecution. And the the challenge for the DOJ and Merrick Garland is the fact that, yes, terms are coming up very soon. uh, And then shortly after that, within a couple years, another presidential election in which it's very likely that President Trump could be the nominee and running for president again. So, Merrick Garland and the DOJ have a pretty difficult position to be in, which is, at what time, if you believe there's probable cause that a former president committed a crime, how do you proceed and have it not be accused of being a political prosecution? This is an unenviable position for Merrick Garland, a difficult one, and that's why I suspect you're seeing a lot of uh, silence from
7: the DOJ on this issue because they're grappling with timing just like anyone else would. And in the past, when you see something, nothing like this has ever happened, but in the past, a lot of the uh, the accusations of politics come from a team of lawyers, maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks into an investigation. Here we have it, uh, literally minutes after the raid, coming from the former president of the United States. How do they walk that tightrope with uh, making sure that trust in the judicial system and trust in the Justice Department is still maintained? Complaining that the federal government
8: is engaged in a witch hunt is actually not a new thing to do. White-collar defendants do it all the time. And that's because a lot of white-collar crimes, uh, the defendants often believe that what they did was perfectly lawful. And you see a lot of these similarities in President Trump. He believes that what he has done uh, has been lawful at all times. And he finds that the federal government investigating him is nothing more than a witch hunt. The, the federal prisons are full of white collar defendants who believe that uh, they were the victims of a witch hunt. So this kind of narrative is nothing new. If I were Trump's defense attorneys, or I, if Trump ends up needing defense attorneys, I should say, uh, I would uh, not be happy that the client is putting out uh, press releases like this. But uh, it's President Trump. I mean, former President Trump believes that he can talk his way through this issue. Uh, he's had a lot of success doing it in the past. Uh, if nothing else, he's going to claim and apparently has claimed in his statement, uh, something to the effect of, look, they've investigated me for a long time, they've never brought anything, uh, and now this is more of a witch hunt. This is more of the same narrative. And Merrick Garland has to realize that if he's going to execute a search warrant, he can't do it willy-nilly. He's got to really believe that there is evidence of a crime on that property to execute a search warrant. And that is the real takeaway, that Merrick Garland knows that if he's going to make a move in this game of political chess, uh, that he has to make it only when he's certain. So I would suspect that uh, the FBI is more than probable cause. They probably have a lot more evidence than probable cause because Mayor Garland and the FBI would accept nothing less than to execute a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. It is a very, very significant development and one that the FBI certainly didn't do lightly.
9: A very serious matter. I know President Trump issued a very lengthy defensive statement. But look, the FBI doesn't just go in unless a judge signs off on a search warrant. That means they have some probable evidence uh, about possible wrongdoing. Uh, and it's something that uh, the whole country needs to pay attention to and shows that Justice Carl, uh, Attorney General Garland, is setting this up step by step.
10: So this is the first question that, that occurs to me, and I think a lot of people watching right now, is how major is this as far as other members of sort of the Trump cabal? It's been one thing to talk about the former president. It's been one thing to, to, to bring in the Coens and people associated with him. But for the FBI to actually be knocking down doors in his home, is this a time that Americans can believe that perhaps the orange jumpsuit is, forth, is forthcoming? Because this doesn't seem to be common what would be your take on that
9: Well, i don't want to politicize it because i think attorney general garland and the justice department have done a very good job by following the facts and it's not for me or members of congress to say what should happen it should be where the facts lead them and they have been very methodical they have not been quick uh, to do anything but it shows that they are uh, concerned that serious crimes were committed and they're following the evidence and now, let's see uh, what they end up doing. But I, I do think that uh, this gives me confidence that the Justice Department is really pursuing this thoroughly, objectively, uh, and in a non political way. Speaking of being non political, I, I have to admit, you know, in
10: many respects, my, my first thought when I heard this news is. I wanted to congratulate the bipartisan January 6th committee. Do you believe that the efforts made by your colleagues on the January 6th committee, including Republicans and Democrats, and the enthusiasm and the hunger and the satisfaction that Americans have gotten from watching those hearings, do you think that had an influence on the aggressiveness with which we're seeing right now from the Department of
9: Justice against the former president? I think that had an impact on the country in understanding what happened, that it wasn't just about the riots and insurrection on the Capitol, that there was a plan to basically try to overturn the election, to have someone installed as president who didn't win either the popular vote or the Electoral College. And they did a masterful job of explaining that to the American public. Uh, I believe that the Justice Department has been following the law and the facts from day one, Uh, And they have been doing it in the way that builds trust. And I don't think it's helpful for members of Congress to politicize it because ultimately uh, what we want is an independent Justice Department that is not acting in a political motive. That's why President Biden appointed Attorney General Garland. Many people are saying, oh, he's too slow or he's not doing anything. I think what he has shown is integrity, and that's why whatever he does, the Justice Department is going to have the confidence of the American public. So, Representative Khan, I always push back
10: slightly on this because it, it, it is a political investigation, and that's not inherently bad. And I say this because it was an attempt at a political insurrection, right? Like, you, you can't say it's non-political when the former president was trying to use politics to sort of overrule uh, the, the, the sort of will of the people. But my question for you also is, now that you've seen this, do you think this will have an impact on impending votes in Congress? Do you think that this will make your Republican colleagues more likely to go along with what seem to be policy initiatives by the Biden administration the American public wants? Do you think this will make them more likely to separate themselves from President Trump, or do you think that they'll basically double down and say, well, the FBI is after him, so now it's our opportunity. We have to sort of circle the wagons as we have before. What do you think the impact of, of this FBI raid will have on
9: your body working for? Well, you know, for almost six years every time I thought that uh, the Republicans would finally speak up against Donald Trump, uh, they have unfortunately let me down. So I don't know uh, whether this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But if anything, it should hopefully get enough Republicans in the Senate and a few in the House to vote for the Electoral Count Act, Reform Act, which will make sure that Whoever wins the popular vote in states in 2024 actually gets the uh, slate's delegates, because otherwise you're going to have a situation uh, where someone can try to steal the election again. And hopefully, at the very least, the January 6th commission and all of these uh, findings by the Justice Department will lead to bipartisan support for upholding the basic principles of our democracy. Then I'm optimistic can pass the Senate and the House
11: now to virtually try to
0: Of despair is a sacred thing born of wings we cannot remember we once had, not knowing we will have them again. To wrench joy from the jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare. To find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform. To seek beauty in a massive pile of scattered dreams is cradling a tender innocence that cannot die. To find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism. To create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery. To have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strengths of being more than merely human. To rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom. To gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings. until your eyes evolve into a colorless glance. Wash, rinse, repeat. Do not iron my curls. Life is far too straight and narrow. Crash into my shuttered windows with a stuttered flower bold and truthful make me shudder wild rip open this bag of chips and bite into the creamy center don't worry about your salt intake spice is nice consume chaos Unclamp the hinges of the pit bull's jaws and sever the stream of severity. Chew thoroughly every rainbow that swoops. Crook yourself into my palm without squirming. Follow. My lead and I'll follow yours without squinting against the light, sight unseen. My fingers know the way home. Pour yourself a tall glass of air and shotgun the title warnings. How literate the horizon without closure. Origami, my heart, unfold my soul. Effect your nosy, noisy neighbors and partake of the premises. Forget what isn't, and remember what will be. Swallow this song without Heimelik's assistance. Unwrap the sunset and set the table sporadically. Attend this feast without shoes. It's payday for the stars
12: Mario, This concerns a standoff with a man who tried to break into allegedly an FBI office there.
13: He was traveling in a white Ford Crown Victoria. Uh, He headed northbound on Interstate 71. Uh, Near the rest area, the northbound rest area on Interstate 71, in Warren County, uh, one of our troopers did spot the vehicle, uh, attempted to initiate a traffic stop. This was at 937 this morning. Attempted to initiate a traffic stop with that vehicle and a pursuit ensued out of that. Uh, Throughout the pursuit, it continued northbound on 71. Uh, The suspect vehicle did fire shots uh, during that pursuit. Uh, The vehicle then exited on State Route 73 and uh, went east on State Route 73. Uh, They traveled east to Smith Road. They went north on Smith Road, uh, almost over top of Interstate 71, where the vehicle came to a stop. Uh, Once the vehicle came to a a stop, uh, gunfire was exchanged between officers on scene and the suspect. Uh, At this time, no officers have been injured as a result of this. Uh, The scene is still active and there is still an active standoff situation occurring uh, at this time. So uh, we will be back with uh, further details uh, in a little while just to uh, keep you all updated as to what's transpiring here. Yes, so the the situation is contained to a certain area. Uh, There is a perimeter set up within that area. So nothing outside of that area uh, right now, there is no like public risk to anything outside of that area. If
11: there's no, and what risk, why the
13: lockdown? I'm sorry? If
11: there's no public risk, why the
13: lockdown? So within a certain area, obviously within a certain perimeter area of that we would want people to be locked down in that area uh, just to ensure their safety. Well, so as of right now, I can't... You know, positively identify the suspect uh, or his injuries, if there are any at this time. But again, once we come back, we will fill you guys in a little bit more on those details. Uh, these uh, so as of right now, uh, that's all the questions I'm going to take, and uh, we'll fill you guys in here in a little bit as soon as I get more information.
11: you guys have some the are so not going to tell us
13: right now? I can't comment on anything right like now.
0: My Love's Hands, My Love's Hands, a reply to her husband, Danny Beatty's, her late husband. Danny Beatty's poem for her, titled, The Fingers of My Love Are Rivers, her poem, My Love's Hands breath of my love's hands are rugged banks. I flow between a sweet prevention of waters rising too high, too fast, too phantom, destroying all in its furious path. Instead, I drift lazily, a summer's memory golden and ecstatic, a child once more of the forest where I dwell in peaceful reverie. The birds orchestrate their performances as the leaves ballet begins and I weep with the wonder of it all. He catches my tears and wisteria forms, a curl and swirl of lavender, reflecting the mighty oceans that surge within his eyes. His umber moan, his wild pony mane, take flight beneath my gaze, a swift burning urge to lift into the wind and flee the bonds of earthen gestures, of surly skies that would have us cast down among forgotten stars. We shall not descend except to kiss the butterfly wings as they unfurl from their chrysalis, slightly confused and beautiful with their nascent unknowing his arms gather me his voice holds me distilled and burrowing into his warm. his fingers hold vast universes to enchant me and do his storms are sudden, they soak me to the bone, and I seek shelter within the spaces between his clouds, and wait for his sun to return, glancing across the horizon where wheat stalks have weakened. Stalks have, W-H-E-A-T, wheat stalks wave underneath his boldness of breath, his ferocity of gracious harvesting. He holds the season in his grasp. Lightly, knowing precisely when to let them go, watching them with quiet pride as they burst into bloom. The breath of my love's hands are rugged banks. I flow between serene and glistening beneath tides of the moon. We are angels among men, merely waiting for our ribs to spread their remembered wings, to seek the sky with purpose and gratitude for the hard-earned knowledge of sustaining soil
14: yourself and your family. I'll give you one sort of maybe interesting insight. Uh, During the D.C. sniper case, uh, where they were randomly shooting people from a distance away, I mean, it even affected all of us. And I had four guns in my car. Uh, And when I pumped gas, I got behind pillars because they had shot people in gas stations. So will agents change their behavior? And the answer is they probably will. I mean, we have this situation that's still ongoing outside Cincinnati, but uh, I'll be surprised if we don't have more versions of that. And clearly going after individual agents would, you know, sadly be the easier thing to do because you don't have to confront a building uh, and multiple people armed inside that building. So um, you got to be vigilant, focused, but you still have to do your job.
12: Brad, thank you for that. I just want to remind our viewers, if you are joining us now, we are following breaking news. We are waiting for Attorney General Merrick Garland to make a statement to the press. It should happen at any moment now. Sources telling ABC News that he is expected to address the FBI search conducted earlier this week at the former president's Mar-a-Lago estate. And of course, we will bring you his comments as soon as he begins speaking. As we wait, though, we do bring back our Chief investigative reporter Josh Margolin, ABC's Zareen Shaw, former FBI agent and ABC News contributor Brad Garrett, and Jeff Robbins, who is a litigation partner and also former chief minority counsel, U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, for their takes on what we are likely to hear from the USAG when he does begin speaking, as I mentioned, expected at any moment. Josh, uh, in just a minute, I do expect... Expect the AG to walk up to that podium. What do you think we hear from him first?
7: First, he's likely to call for some sort of calm, or, or you know, people to uh, be vigilant not to not to harm law enforcement had to understand this is this whole situation is serious and despite people's political beliefs and, and anger at, at something that they feel is unjust that they need to not act out the situation in Cincinnati we don't know what's at the root cause of it but whatever it is there's always the risk that it could lead to copycats given this really really tense environment out there I imagine that's the first thing we'll hear from the Attorney General uh,
12: Brad What do we know about what the FBI was looking for? Just remind us, and of course, we are looking at this empty podium. We are waiting for the USAG, Merrick Garland, to begin speaking. But just remind us, from what you know, what the FBI went to get at Mar-a-Lago.
14: It it strikes me as as highly classified information, uh, information that potentially could cause severe damage to the national security of the United States. Now, uh, keep in mind that it may be something other than just documents from the DOD, FBI, CIA that are stamped at a particular security level. I mean, if the, if the president created documents, those also could be... We are going classified. to join our
12: ABC News broadcast team. Special coverage. The ABC
8: News special report. Now reporting, David Muir. Good afternoon, and we're coming on the air because U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is about to speak for the first time since the FBI raid of former President Trump's home at Mar a Lago in Florida. The Justice Department, under intense pressure to say something to reveal details of the search warrant executed on Monday course because of the highly unprecedented nature of all of this a search at the home of a former president republicans have been demanding an explanation doj and the fbi have refused to comment so far which of course is standard policy in an ongoing investigation but the stakes here much
0: Jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare. To find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform. To seek beauty in a massive pile. Of scattered dreams is cradling, a tender innocence that cannot die. To find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism. To create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery. To have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strength of being more than merely human. To rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom. To gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings.